Welcome, dear brothers and sisters. Thank you for this opportunity to once again look at God's word along with you. Here we are today in Ephesians chapter 5, and we're looking at verse 22 onwards to the end of the passage. And we must keep in mind the overall story, the meta-narrative. This is one letter. This is one book of Paul writing to the church in Ephesus. And we must remember his his overall thrust or his, his, his emphases, right? So as we do all of that, and as we remember that we are sinful people, we are broken people, we're hurting people, we're tired people, uh, we need to give all we can to, rem- to remember these things, to come into God's presence with a, with a spirit of learning and, a, and, a, and an attitude that says, Lord, I'm yours, show me, teach me, open your word to me, and God will speak to us. As we get into this passage of scripture, I must say some very important things. Firstly, firstly, we need to redefine two words, redefine two concepts, and we need to come to the scriptures with a certain assumption that Paul has when he's writing these scriptures. Paul is assuming that he's writing to believers, to regenerate believers, spirit-filled believers, people who see God's word as from God. They submit to God's will. They desire to be... um, in sync with, they desire to be in subordination to God's will. A regenerate mind is one that has been renewed and enlightened by the Spirit of God. It is not one that is either influenced or is compromised by the world. So first and foremost, the word love is not as the world defines it, but as the way God defines love. It is the God, love of the Bible and not of the not the love of the world. Secondly, it is not the way the world defines marriage, but the way God defines marriage. God, he scripts marriage, he defines marriage, and he tells us why it exists, the purpose of marriage. The world has its own way. So either you can come with it with the world's perspective, or you can come to it with God's holy perspective as God's children, seeing it God's way. That's why Paul doesn't explain anything. He doesn't give any reasons. He doesn't um, He doesn't try to win you over. There is nothing, there is no mood, there is no words, there is no explanation in this passage to try and win you over to this kind of living. He says those who are under the Spirit of God, those who are living in the Spirit of God, those who are filled with the Spirit of God, this is what life looks like. This is what a community looks like where Jesus is Lord. You will not find fighting minds or arguing hearts. You will find everyone falling in line and you will find the blessing of Christ, the peace of Christ and the wisdom of Christ seen in the relationships and in the decisions and in the words and in the communication of the community that is headed by the Lord Jesus Christ. This is not of the world. So if we come at it from a point of view of the world or compromised with the world, if you have been heavily influenced by the world in the definitions of marriage and love, you're going to struggle with this passage of scripture. You're going to struggle with all of Ephesians actually. And we are going to be talking about wives and husbands and and, and Paul's uh, topic of submission here in this matter. However, I submit to you that if you disagree with the wife's part and agree to the husband's part, you are a hypocrite and you need to come to terms with the Lordship of Christ in your life. If you have 
you're okay with one but not okay with any other part you need to seriously pull back and ask yourself does the spirit of god inform my mind or is it influenced by the world we have lived compromised lives many of us believe it or not because we spend the bulk of our time either swiping through facebook or ig or we are talking to friends and colleagues out in the world they do not know the mind of christ and they do not have the holy spirit they are unregenerate they don't have the mind of christ so they will have their own ways of thinking firstly they will have their own ways of thinking secondly we cannot choose to want their blessing we cannot choose to want to meet them halfway this is not a matter of tolerance or a matter of uh, 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 compromise this is not a peaceful way of living uh, as some would see it where you want the blessing of your friends or your or your, or the or the opinion of the world to lay burden on this passage or this book and 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 agree with you on it you cannot meet anybody halfway on matters that are of scriptural importance that are scripture Christ like character i wanted to put that out there as a as a foundation for many of us who already are trying to live with the blessing of god's word and the world's word and we are struggling with that so that said i want to also add that the world is correct the world is correct in its own definitions if what they know is all they know if what they know is all they know they are correct and I, and you'll see what i mean in just a minute in just a minute all right so we are jumping into this passage and we cannot just take it from verse 22 you want to back it up a little bit back to verse 15 and it says look carefully then how you walk not as unwise but as wise making the best use of the time because the days are evil therefore Do not be foolish but understand what the will of the Lord is and do not get drunk with wine for that is debauchery but be filled with the spirit capital S be under the control of the holy spirit addressing one another in psalms hymns spiritual songs and making melody to the Lord in your heart giving thanks always and for everything to God the father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ and even while that is kind of like the last part it is really the thrust it is the it's the bazooka it is the absolute uh, big gun of this passage is it, it really captures what paul is saying here submitting to one another out of reverence for christ submitting to one another out of reverence for christ so he says an, a regenerate mind a mind that is uh brought to life by the spirit of god and is becoming like christ is one that walks wisely is one that walks holy is one that walks uh in imitation of god it's one that is 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 uh encouraging to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing and making melody in the lord it is one that is grateful thankful in everything that they do to god the father in the name of christ and and also it is in submission it is in submission to one another now the word itself submission is not originally what the greek is saying the english understanding of submission isn't exactly what the word in the greek is saying that is not an excuse what it's but the original words the one i grew up with in in king james version was the word yield or the word to get along with or the word to to cooperate with 
submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So the body of Christ begins to show the lordship of the of Christ in the community by this willful submission to one another, this subjecting to one another. Why? Because in our sinful state, we would be selfish, selfish. But in our regenerate state, we would be selfless. Submission is essentially being selfless. It is submitting ourselves to the best needs and the best care and the best uh, uh, purposes of the other living for the other. So he goes into examples of covenant relationships in our world. He looks at wives and husbands, he looks at children and, and parents, and he looks at bond servants and masters, or employees and bosses. In these three areas, he shows how Christians, the community of Christ, will show forth the submission of the Lord Jesus. And you want to understand all of this in the context of that, right? So as we begin, we dive in here into verse 22, where he begins by saying, Wives, Submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. The husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, comma, his body, comma, and is himself its savior. Christ is the head of the church, no full stop, comma, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and he himself is its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, in the way that the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he may sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, the word of God, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies, as their own bodies. He, lo he who loves his wife loves himself. Let's underline that. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes his flesh, cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, his body, because we are members of his body. Therefore, that's why a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become, by virtue of sexual intimacy, one flesh. Two spirits, two individual beings, two people made in the image of God, yet one by flesh. This mystery, this mystery, and it sure is a mystery, is profound. And I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. In the way we are two, yet one. Christ has become one with the church in that he is Christ and we are the body, yet we are one. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respect her husband. And, and as he kind of summarizes this, 
Verse 33 is probably the thrust of this entire passage, like verse 21 was the thrust of the previous passage. Look at verse 33. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respect her husband. Command to the husband and wife who is in Christ. Husband and wife who are in Christ. Command to live under the Holy Spirit's leading and filling. They ought to do this. The wife ought to submit, yield, subject herself to the husband. And the husband ought to love, sacrifice, protect and provide for his wife. And, they, and he plays that out. He kind of lays that out in what he says over here. Let's go back to the top and work through it again. Verse 22 uh, and verse 24 uh, through to verse 24 talk about the wife. Verse 25 onwards talks about the husband all the way to verse 33. Everything is in the picture of Christ and the church. You've got to be staring at Christ and the church as you look and think about the wife and look and think about the husband. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Remember I said that the word for submit in the Greek is the same word that is used back in verse 21. It doesn't even have the same meaning in verse 22, but it borrows its meaning from verse 21, where it says submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now this is a yielding. This is a being selfless. This is a giving of oneself for the betterment of the other. This is a love that 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 wants better for the other. This is a willingness to sacrifice and put my will aside for the will of the other one. Uh, as we understand this, many have struggled for uh, over this passage. Many have struggled with the teaching of Paul and they call it the teaching of Paul, but it's actually the word of God, right? So the reason that they have struggled is, and I said as I began, the world is correct from their way of thinking, is because of something that happened long, long time ago. Back in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15 and 16, where there was the fall, there was a clear word from God God told her, your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you. The desire spoken of here is not sexual or psychological, both of which Eve had for Adam before the fall as his specially created helper. It is the same desire spoken of in the next chapter where the identical Hebrew word is used. The, the, the term comes from an Arabic uh, root that means to compel, to impel to urge, to seek control over. In fact, the Lord warned Cain, saying, Sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, to control you, but you must master it, you must control it. So listen to this very carefully. In light of this close context, meaning of this Hebrew word, therefore the curse of Eve was that women's desire would henceforth be to usurp the place of man's hard headship. Women's desire would be to usurp the place of man's headship, and listen to this, that he would resist the desire and would rule over her. The Hebrew word here for rule over is not the same as used in chapter 1 verse 28, right? Rather, it represents a new despotic kind of authoritarianism that was not in God's original plan for man's headship. Listen to me very carefully, I'm going to say this once again. In the light of this close context, meaning of the Hebrew word, the curse on Eve was that women's desire would henceforth be to usurp the place of leadership, of headship that God had given to man, 
That's what she would want. And he, in response to her wanting to usurp it, would rather than in a loving headship or a leadership kind of way, like Christ did for the church, he will do in a new despotic kind of authoritarianism a headship that God never intended. So what we have right here in this moment after the fall is the woman wanting to fight with what she would have naturally cooperated with. The woman wanting to fight with what she would have naturally cooperated with. God had created woman. God had created the wife. God had created Eve as a helper, a helpmate, a co-laborer, someone who would come along Adam and fulfill the purpose of God here on earth. Not just as a baby maker, not just as a girlfriend, not just as a companion, but as someone who would, in cooperating with him and yielding to the leadership that he brings, the godly leadership that he brings, she would cooperate with him in bringing about the purposes of God on the face of the earth. God created her for that and her natural, rather supernatural ability would have been to be that. The moment she fell from grace, she then now wanted to usurp his headship. Okay. And his headship and leadership was compromised, it was contaminated, it was fallen, it was now sinful. So rather than giving headship the way God wanted it, the way Christ is head of the church as described here, rather than him being the protector, provider and, and, and the one who, who treats her like he is the extension of her, his own body as he is the rest of himself, rather than loving her to the point of death, Rather than cherishing her and giving her every possible word of encouragement from the morning till the evening, rather than being everything she needs him to be to her, he then became intensely selfish, authoritarian, misusing and abusing both the strength that he had as a stronger physical being, abusing his Position in terms of headship, abusing his wisdom and understanding, abusing his authority. So I began by saying that the world is correct in the way they think, from the point of their view, if that's all they know. Remember me saying that? Okay, I said that because of this. This is the moment in which the battle of the sexes began. This is where feminism began. This is where it, it, the, the, uh, man lost sight and the ability to give true headship. So it's not that wives are asked to submit and men can just continue to be the way they are. That's why there's two verses for the wife and all the other verses for the husband. That's why there's two verses for the wife and all the other verses for the husband. Why, Lord, what are you trying to say to us here in the book of Ephesians? He's trying to say that Christ came into the world to redeem the world. Christ came into the world to redeem his people. Christ came into the world to form the body of Christ out of his people that they, being headed by Christ, might show forth the wonderful, magnificent work and life that is in Christ when there is total submission to Christ. 
the word yielding, the word cooperating, the word coming along with, the word together with wanting to fulfill the purposes of Christ. That was the beauty of Adam and Eve in their perfection. But in their fall, both took what they could do naturally in Christ and became it became unnatural to them. What was natural in their perfect state became unnatural to them in their imperfect state, in their sinful fallen state. And both were not able to do that. If the world only knows an authoritarian man that wants to trample on women, abuse women and think of himself as, as the Lord of all and that he should be served, then they have every right to protest that. They have every right to fight and to call it feminism or whatever. If men think that women are trying to take their place, women are, are, are a hindrance to them getting what they want, or women must be subjugated so that they can get what they want, then they are also coming from that place where they don't know that they are fallen. They don't know that that is a fallen estate. So my dear brother and sister, there is a, there is a call on the believer to understand both things. To understand that definitions of marriage and love, definitions of gender, definitions of, of, uh, of the value of people has been in response to sinful, despotic, authoritarian, ungodly lifestyles, behaviors and character. It has been in response to that. And if that were only the case, I would be on their side. That would rightly be so. But that's the world that's fallen. And as Paul turns his attention to believers, he says, but you are in the light. Look at verse 8 of chapter 5. Go back to chapter 5, verse 8. For at one time you were darkness. You see that? For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light. He doesn't say now you are in the light. He says, but now you are light in the Lord. You are the light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light for the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true and is pleasing to the Lord. Four things. He says, for the fruit of the light is found in all that is one good, two right, three true, four pleasing to the Lord. This is what a believer, this is what a regenerate mind will do. So a regenerate wife and a regenerate husband will submit to one another. How do they submit to one another? The wife will cooperate with the headship that Christ has given to the husband, period, by respecting him. The wife will cooperate will, by respecting him, giving him the honor, giving him the, 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 the lead, giving him the, the allowance to let Jesus Show him what God's will is for this family. Okay? And husbands will lay it all down for their wives. Just like Jesus did. What did he do? That he might sanctify her by the cleansing and the washing over the word. That he may bring her holy and blameless before his sight. That he may love her as if he were him, she were himself. She were the extension of himself. By leaving his father and mother and now starting a new home, a new family with his wife. This is a profound mystery. But we're talking about Christ and the church, Paul says. 
See, this submission is not a subjugation. It is not uh, making one inferior to the other. It is the responsibility of one to protect and love and cover and, and, and care for and provide for another equal. I'm going to say it again. This is the, the leadership, the headship, the authority, the, the provision given to one to extend a cover and a love and a provision and a, and, and a protection over another. As one might, as the woman might be called a, a, a gentler vessel, weaker here in the English, but a gentler vessel. Here is where the man has to show selflessness, has to show selflessness. And in respecting the man and respecting the husband, the woman shows selflessness, the wife shows selflessness. Let me, let me make a, a, a point here. In, in sub, submitting in, uh, in, in subjecting oneself to each other, taken from verse 21, Paul is talking to wives and husbands, but he doesn't say to the wife to obey the husband. That is not mentioned here. Children are ought to obey their parents. That is a command. Bond servants and employees are to obey their em employers, their bosses. That is a command. But wives are not told to obey their husband. So this is not about one's the boss and the other is the subordinate. It's not about one's running the show and the other one, others just shut up and go with what he's saying. It's not about leaning and, and, and submitting to the fancies and the, uh, and the, and the whims and the of, of, of just one person in the home. Neither this nor the other, neither the man nor the woman are to hold that position in the home. The wife is not commanded to obey her husband, neither is the husband commanded to obey the wife. In this beautiful submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ, we begin with the, with the example of marriage. And we come at it fully ready to agree because the spirit-filled mind understands the design, the, the purposes with which God called us into existence. And understand that if the Spirit of God is going to be uh, in control of my life, and control of my wife, if the Spirit of God is going to control my home, if the Spirit of God is going to control my church, then this is the behavior. This is the, this, this is the selfless submitting to one another that we will see. And as we start with husbands and wives, we see the wife respecting and honoring the husband for who God has uh, made him in her life and what God has given him to accomplish. So if God is going to lead him in ways of all these things that are mentioned in verse 25 onwards, it won't be successful if the woman does not honor him and respect him. It will not happen. She has got to come in line with God's purposes for that marriage. So God cannot make a husband do what he wants unless she honors him. And God cannot make a wife uh, enjoy her life and be, feel cherished and feel loved and feel if he does not love her, if he does not put himself aside and love her. Now I've come at this from several angles because I don't want to convince you about it. I don't want to convince you. I, my job is not to convince you about it. Uh, this is all, none of these passages talk about convincing us and this is how you should be 
It says this is how you will be if you are of the light. This is how you will think. As Eve had no problems with Adam in his in her perfect state. And as Adam had no problems being everything she needed him to be in his perfect state. We come to realize that it is sin that's the enemy and not the opposite gender. It is, it is stepping out of God's purposes and will that is the enemy. So verse 33, let each one of you, let each one of you, he's back to the individual, love his own wife as himself and let the wife see to it that she respects her husband. So this is again, I say, not a passage that you read and say, okay, I must do this. You look at these passages and say, that's what spirit-filled living looks like. And I will probably be like that and I will become like that. I don't have to fight it. I don't have to try it. I don't have to train it. That will be my life if I come under the leading and guidance of the Holy Spirit. I will enjoy the respect and the honor of my wife if I love her like Christ loved the church. I will enjoy the leading and the protection and the provision and the encouragement and the selflessness of my husband if I live in submission to the Holy Spirit. That is how we come to the Word of God when we are regenerate, renewed, spirit-filled children of God as those who are of the light. Verse 7, Verse 7, therefore do not become partners with them, that is the world. For at one time you were partners with them, the darkness. For at one time you agreed with the, with the definitions and the perspectives of the world on gender, on marriage, on love. But now, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. For the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. There is no way I can do justice to this incredible passage of scripture in such a short time. But I do hope I have attempted to bring you to think along the lines of the, of the Spirit of God. And if you have any questions, you can contact me and you could, or you can contact your church leadership and uh, and ask them but as we as we end this we want to ask god to fill us with the spirit of god now we don't want to be this kind of a husband or this kind of we just want to be filled with the spirit of god because we want to be wives and husbands that reflect the lord jesus we want to be children and parents that reflect the lord jesus we want to be servants and masters that reflect the lord jesus we want to be a community that reflects the Lord Jesus. Let me end by saying this. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body. Even as Christ is the head of the church, his body. Even as Christ is the head of the church, his body. How does a head treat the rest of its body? Don't think organizationally. Don't think even in a community where the head is separate to the body. Think about a person. Think about yourself. Think about me. How will my head treat the rest of my body? How will my body cooperate with my head to be one, in order to be one? 
the goal in marriage is to be one. That's Christ. The Lord bless you. Jeremy Dawson and if you liked what you just saw if it was a blessing then hit the subscribe button come on you can do it hit the subscribe button uh, hit the bell so that we know you want to hear from us lots of videos coming your way songs worship encouragement come on subscribe let's take this forward and share with somebody you might know write a comment in the section below but let's see you guys again come on subscribe